0: This is the Retail Perch with Shekhar Rahman and Gary Hawkins.
1: We're going to discuss industry challenges and opportunities in grocery retail, AI, current and upcoming trends, and so much more.
0: Hey, folks, Uh, welcome back to another edition of the Retail Perch. This is episode number 14, I believe. And I'm back here with my co host, Gary. Hey, Gary. Shekhar, great to be with you again. Yeah, it's a beautiful day, and I know a lot of people are waking up uh, to the concept of that there could be another lockdown, there could be another in for a, a tough winter here. And in the spirit of that topic, and trying to hope, hopefully lighten up the mood and tell you that there are options here, we have one of our favorite guests back on the show, uh, Mary Simona. Hi, Mary.
2: Hi, Shaker. Hi, Geary.
0: Great to have you back. So today we're going to be discussing, you know, wellness in the age of personalization. How do we take all this technology? How do we take all this data that we know about products and improve the quality of lives of people through smarter marketing, smarter personalization? So Mary, I know we've talked a a bit about this topic. So why don't I let you get this started?
2: Okay. Well, thank you, Sherikar. And I'm really happy to be here. Uh, You know, this this topic is something that is important in any time, but in the COVID time, it's especially important. We saw last spring and into the early summer, a tremendous increase in the number of shoppers that were going online. And we saw also a shift in how people were buying. They were buying more, but less often. And so that phenomena was occurring. And over the period of the summer, as you know, we started to have people kind of going back into the community, but not full force. And and so now here we are back in the fall, people are going indoors and we're kind of back to where we were in the spring. And we know some things from what happened in the spring that we can observe now and change. So one of the things we know is that when people go online, they tend to react to what they see. And what they see invariably includes not only whatever e-commerce site they're looking at, but the ad panels that surround it. And if they're out and looking on Google and they're searching for something, again, there are ad panels that they see. What we know from the data that's been extracted is that the brands have utilized that ad panel effectively to try to continue to promote their products. Uh, The problem with that though, is it's not necessarily the product the consumer is looking for or it's even in their best interest. The brands have had to cut back on the variety of products that they offer and they're going back to their core. And so depending on the manufacturer, your core product could be something that's 25, 30 years old. This recipe isn't exactly in compliance with gluten-free or with organic. Those brands that have a longer tail, if you will, have been cut back on in order to uh, be able to provide the products in the store. So what we have is people going towards technology, which is fantastic, but getting more information about the things that they really don't want or need and less about what they do want or need. So nutrition in this kind of a situation where we're locked in our homes, where we're sedentary and where we're trying to just feed our family becomes you know, a good question to ask the retailer. How do we convey to the consumer what's good for them, what's not? And, and have that relationship that the retailers work so hard to build continue in this digital world. So so there's a lot going on simultaneously. The last thing I'll say is that, unfortunately, the portion of the population that is at greatest risk are those that have diabetes, overweight, they're sedentary to begin with, and now here we are in a lockdown situation or something close to it, and they're eating things that are probably contrary to precisely what they should be eating and doing in order to defend themselves against this and other health risks. So those are the things that are happening. And the question is, what's the opportunity for the retailer? And I hate to use the word opportunity. It's almost a necessity at this point for the retailer to act in this environment.
1: Yeah, so. and and I completely agree with you, Mary. I, I think opportunity is a good word to use here because I, there's a lot to unpack with what you just spoke to. Uh, but one of the things that, that hit me here is I, I think that retailers need to be careful with how they provide this information, how they provide this guidance, right? The retailer can't come across as big brother. There's too much of that concern out there, I think, in a lot of places today. Um, and you know, most people, whether they're healthy or unhealthy, don't wanna to be told you have to eat this or you have to eat that. That being said, I, I think retailers, food retailers are in a unique position here to really be able to help improve the well-being of each of their customers by providing information, by providing guidance and suggestions and recommendations, not dictates, but recommendations around, hey, we know you like this, but this is really similar. But is better for you, you know, because of these reasons.
2: Right. You know, I one of the things I was just thinking as you were saying that is absolutely the big brother phenomena and kind of the creepy factor is something that we always have to watch out for. The irony of this is that we're talking about ad panels, which to me is a little bit creepy, <laughs> that are influencing them today. So how can you counter counteract that? Which is uh, which is the ultimate creepy factor. I'm, t- I'm typing something that to me is completely unrelated and I get an ad panel because I used a keyword um, yeah. So it, you know the, the, the opportunity, fair enough is to bring the, re- the, the, the customer into the retailer again. how do you bring them into the retailer in a virtual world to have that intimate private, secure relationship where you can put nutrition in the forefront? This summer, my husband was out shopping, and he took a photo of a woman in some very large retailer. They had gone through the bother of building out a portion of the store dedicated to a nutrition expert who stood there in her white lab coat with her mask on. And you know, we kind of speculated who would be willing to walk in there right now. It it looked a little um, antiseptic, but at the same time, think about your own lives. How how much time do you really want to spend? Anywhere right now, but especially in a grocery store, you want to get in, you want to get out. So I think the thinking of the retailer is right. The question is, is there a way to build? You know, they had nice private walls, all knocked out. Yeah. Clearly, there's an expertise there. There's knowledge. There's there's so much science around food as being the first medicine that you should be focusing on, not the last. So how can we, uh, as experts in this uh, industry, help retailers seize this moment? and focus on the customer's needs. I mean, this is really about putting customer first, your favorite topic.
0: Yeah. So, you
2: know, how do we do that?
0: It's kind of ironic. We're making the shopping experience uh, safer, cleaner, uh, sanitizing it, but they're still buying unhealthy products.
2: <laughs> well, they're, they're being bombarded yeah. right now. Is what exactly,
0: is. exactly, exactly. So, so what's the... Um, what do you think are approaches, Gary? That that are heading to educate um, so, so some of this?
1: I, I think you know, if I were to think like a retailer, which I tend to do, I think there's really two approaches to use here. The the first is provide shoppers the opportunity to create some kind of profile, obviously in a secure, private fashion, right, where they can identify you know, health preferences, needs, lifestyles, you know, I'm a vegetarian or I need gluten-free or I have a nut allergy or I have diabetes or whatever it may be to provide that information to the retailer to then use in providing recommendations back, right? And, you know, that is an approach that can be a successful approach, but as we know, not everyone is going to do that. So I think the other side of it then is, you know, using the, all the data we have today and the sophisticated data science we have today, we can understand uh, people's buying behavior. So we can identify people from the shopping patterns that probably with a high confidence factor have a health condition or they're avoiding certain uh, elements or that type of thing and use that to provide recommendations, you know, that are surfaced to them. Uh, and then it's their choice, whether they want to click on that and move on that or not.
2: And, and kind of leveraging that, when you think about what um, I as a consumer respond to, do I respond to a product or do I respond to a really good looking meal, a solution to my family? Right. So the opportunity, you take that one step further and here I now state my preferences and my needs. Um, I have an issue with salts and you know my husband has to watch his sugar. And so you have that information. So show me some. show me my week, tell me my plan. One of the of many of the articles I was reading by nutritionists about how people can act in this time frame is you know, meal planning, having a notion about what you're doing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And, and the reality is all those ingredients are pretty standard in, in a grocery store, but the, the the individual's knowledge of cooking, knowledge of food is not as great as that as a nutritionist. So add some expertise into that recommendation so that when I am logged in and I'm looking at my profile, I'm getting recommendations that are meaningful to me yeah. while Gary's getting them meaningful to him in the form of meals or meal planning. Right. So,
1: so question uh, Shaker, question back to you, because uh, this really comes back to the data science and, and how algorithms are created and so on. It, you know, we look at a lot of uh, recommendation systems that are in the market today, they're effectively being driven by past purchase behavior, right? So if I bought a lot of potato chips in the past, I'm probably gonna see an offer on potato chips tomorrow, especially around consumable products. What we're talking about here is something a little different, is interrupting that traditional recommendation system and beginning to weave into this now, some of these other health concerns health information, how is something like that done on the back end?
0: I think for the first time, we are starting to look at, let's call it the good filter, right? We're actually trying to put a good filter on the product recommendations that comes out. You know, at Birds Eye, of course, you know, Gary, you, you've also been involved. We're working on a personalized wellness offering. We first collect data about the product, um, You know, in-depth nutritional ingredients and attributes about the product tie that in with whatever preferences that the shopper has and then make recommendations based off of that which which also take into account shopper's purchase history so if they have a specific liking for a brand we're looking at okay what if what the brand offers is also aligns with the shopper's health preferences And we're driving recommendations that way. And obviously, uh, we're learning more and more about the shopper. So based on recipes they choose, the type of things they like to cook, we could then come up with suggestions on what products fit the kind of foods they like to eat. Because I think one of the things that's happening is that as people go to the store less and depend less on packaged foods, and they're looking, obviously, we've seen during the last few months that at-home cooking has gone up significantly, so people are depending on buying raw ingredients and putting together their meals. And to Mary's um, point, I think people are looking for a more holistic solution than just product recommendations, right? Mm-hmm. What should I be eating this week? You know, what should be the recipe? So we are where we're going towards is suggesting not just products, but suggesting recipes that may be healthy for you and, and identifying ingredients in those recipes that, kind of align best. What are the ingredients that have the lowest sodium, lowest saturated fats, or whatever it is that go into what you're cooking? And I see this completely transforming you know, personalization as we know it, because I think this is more holistic. I think you're absolutely right, Gary, machine learning in the past has tended to bias, be very biased based on data that you feed it, right? right. So it is you know, what you see is what you get type of thing, is right? But for the first time, I think we're starting to look at intentions and having intentional recommendations. It's more than personalized recommendations, and I, which I think is a misnomer a little bit because personalized recommendations actually historically based personalized recommendations. Right. I think inten- intentional recommendations are much more powerful, right? Maybe it's a new term that we coined on the show, but, but I think yeah. intentional recommendations are, are really the way to go because I think that gives the customer a better sense that, hey, these people... Not just get me; they care about me, and they're only focused on recommending products that are going to benefit me in the long term. You know, supermarkets have a fantastic opportunity, and you know, I know the word opportunity just seems you know misplaced at this time, but you know, I do believe that every adversity has a seed of equal or greater benefit, and I think the the benefit that we can derive from the situation is that we have long just focused on promoting movement of products that just brings more margin and more profit. Uh, And those all tend to be short-term thinking. And I think for the first time, we have the option of promoting products, which can also bring margins, but also result in the long-term well-being of the society. I think it's a fantastic opportunity.
2: One of the things I like about what you just said is, and I think about the word opportunity, You know, it might be a necessity to act. This isn't about opportunity. This is about that inflection point that we talked about before. This is that moment where it's so apparent that the consumer is the primary interest. We have health on the forefront of all of our thinking. This is that moment. And we knew prior to the pandemic that we were seeing a real challenge to the the small independents and the regional retailers due to other online activities anyway. Now you add in this situation where good news is temporarily their sales increased. Why? Because people didn't want to go terribly far from home, they needed necessities, they were going to go to their local store. But people need to think long term now. Because behavior does change after I think they say seven mo- weeks or seven months, or we're going into a year here. And so there are people's behaviors that will have permanently altered in this time frame. And, and those that really step to the fore are going to be the ones that that last through this, but also as a customer of that, I would be so welcoming of a retailer that would insert themselves between me and all those choices out there. Because when I am depressed and I am tired and it's raining out, I'm going to eat a bag of jelly beans. And that's not necessarily in my best interest. So if there was a way to help me help myself and my family, that would be big. The other thing I just want to, you know, remind our listeners about is that there is an issue of food insecurity That's the term that's been coined around those families that are currently unemployed and we have a large unemployment number at the moment. So adding that into the thinking. So it's not just recommending healthy foods, but maybe it's healthy foods on a budget and Mm -hmm. maybe it's pushing forward private label uh, items that are frozen food centric or or whatever else. A lot of our retailers have done a lot of great work on developing out their private label brand. And it's not so much to be self-serving as it is to know what's in your product. and know what your customer needs um i did have a question for gary what does this do if if we follow through on that logic that that uh, shaker put out there what and this opportunity presents itself to retailers how does that change the dynamic between the retailer and the brand and how can the retailer help the brand in this transition So, so
1: glad you asked that uh because i think that is one of the big obstacles or hurdles that that comes along with the opportunity, right? Is retailers have to shift their thinking here. You know, this is almost the polar opposite of the past hundred year focus on mass promotion, mass advertising. You know, it's all about selling boxes of cereal. Um, uh, You know, what we're talking about now is personalization almost to the nth degree, right? Where we're providing not only savings on products we know the shopper likes but on products that are good for the shopper or may improve their their life their well-being so there's a real mind shift that has to occur on the retailer side now the the other part of your question mary was you know how can what are the implications here back to the brand i, I think there's a wonderful opportunity here for retailers to help educate their brand partners around, hey, you know we've got X number of stores, X number of shoppers that have these health interests. Your brands are represented in this category or these multiple categories. You don't have anything to help these people, right? So can you develop something or can you tweak some of your you know, ingredients or whatever to better align with what our shoppers need? And I, I think, we will see that happen. I, I think it's very, very early on yet. But as companies like Kroger and Walmart, you know, are going down this path of, of health and nutrition and providing this kind of information, obviously, they have the attention of the brands. We're seeing a lot of the bigger regional guys going down this path. I, I think this will happen.
0: I and mean, clearly, it's also a big opportunity for private label, right? So huge for uh retailers who feel that, you know what, this is a moment I can capitalize on and, you know, come up with private label products that fill these needs uh, if you don't have to wait on brands, right?
1: You know, I, I think we can also come back to the opportunity here. We, we can open that opportunity up even larger for the retailer. You know, obviously, is the retailer is able to focus more on the individual customer and provide products services relevant to them, beneficial to them. uh, There's also the opportunity here to open this up to the broader healthcare and and health provider marketplace, right? Imagine the retailer in a market that has this type of capability going out, working with the the healthcare providers in their marketplace to, number one, just simply let them know, hey, we have the service available now. But then ideally, when that person goes to the doctor, they're diagnosed with a certain condition, or, you know, they're given guidance, you need to lower your blood pressure, whatever it is, they can be informed of, hey, this retailer has this program that can help you towards those goals. A lot that can happen here. And I think this is very much part of this bigger movement that I speak about uh, around how the, the healthcare universe and the, the universe of food are really beginning to converge
0: yeah i think the opportunity is massive i mean if you start thinking about you know how our healthcare system works you know after a salary based salaries healthcare costs are probably the single biggest cost that most employers are paying right and so if there's an incentive to have a healthier lifestyle uh, by providing tools that do better guidance and wellness guidances uh, you reduce uh, overall healthcare spending across our Absolutely. healthcare network. And I think we're talking about savings that could be in the hundreds of billions of dollars a year for right. a population, right? Your right. and, and your, food and and your
2: activity is your greatest defense against Adverse health conditions.
0: Exactly. You know, I mean, we talk about Gary likes this term, the food is medicine, right? So I think uh, some Greek philosopher who said, you know, food is the best medicine. And I think supermarkets are sitting on top of a, uh, and like you said, inflection point where they can transform, you know, uh, quality of lives. They can reduce healthcare costs long term. I mean, we can, you know, all the debate that happens that's happening around, you know, healthcare for all starts really with, you know, how do we have a healthier population? Right. How do we so, help them eat healthier? Right. So it's it not just it's not just paying for your hospital bills, but let's try not to get you into the hospital. That's, exactly. <laughs> that's right.
2: And 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 I would love to see, you know, not a repeat of last spring where it's some some article called it a Soviet-esque, you know, sort of empty shelf thing. I don't wanna I'll make fun of that. Right. but uh, you know we instead of repeating what we already experienced, now knowing what we know, I'd love to see retailers seize this moment to put the customer first, really, because we've yep. been saying that for fifteen years. But the product is still the leading force in every marketing vehicle that's out there. The other thing I just wanted to interject here. And I know this is true for bird's eye, but I just want to remind our listeners, especially retailers, don't go acting off without making sure that your provider has secure, anonymized, tokenized data that is compliant with all of the right. um, increasing and very good for consumer protection laws that are in place. So when Gary talks about you know, utilizing health-related data, that's we, of course, understand that means HIPAA compliant. There's, there's no suggestion here that I go online and my information is being spattered all over the place, that's not good for anybody. And so any retailer out there looking for a partner to help them with these kinds of strategies, that's the first question they should be asking is about the security of your data and the security of uh, personalized private information. So I just wanted to throw that out there to make sure that that's on people's minds. I think
1: that's a great call out, Mary. You know, back to what you were saying a few minutes ago, I, I think that there's a lot of things that are aligning right now to maybe finally help retailers uh, create this shift to, to a true customer focus. You know, And I, I think one of those other things that's aligning here that we haven't really explicitly called out, I think there are a growing number of consumers or shoppers out there that have realized they may be best served by taking their own health conditions into their own hands or responsibility for their health into their own hands. I think there's a growing number of consumers that don't want to go to the doctor and take another pill. They are increasingly realizing that food is important. Food is that first line of of health. And I, I think many of these people are looking for help they're looking for guidance because we all know how confusing it is to walk in the door of, you know, your typical supermarket today, you're surrounded by 40 or 50,000 different products. You look at the ingredients on any of them and it's like gobbledygook. People need help and retailers can provide that guidance today.
0: I don't know if you've read this book, Mary, called Sapiens by Noel Harari. Very good read. But, you know, in that he talks about, you know, tens of thousands of years ago we were all used to be hunter gatherers and the individual at that time was much smarter than the individual today from a food choice perspective because they went out of the forest and they knew exactly what was good for them what was not good for them by the shape of the leaf by the smell so they were much more discerning in terms of being able to understand good food versus bad food versus very bad food right and today we've lived we live in a society where it's almost sanitized, right? Uh, where we're depending on other things to tell us if something is good for it, good for us or not. We've lost the ability to make the discernment ourselves.
2: I, you know, I, I want to say, I want to tell a little story and you can decide later whether we include it or not. But when Gary was talking about, uh, you know, being your own health advocate mm-hmm. and what you just said about hunter-gatherers, I think a lot of Americans, I'm generalizing and I hate doing that, but have gotten into the habit of, I don't feel good. I'm going to call my doctor. And you know, this doesn't feel right. I'm going to call my doctor. And as you both know, I have this issue with salt. And so I had been given a diuretic and, um, in truth, the side effects felt worse than the thing I was trying to treat. And I kept telling my doctor that when listen, the thing about technology and data is that there's a lot of information out there. If you know what you're looking for, And so I discovered that dandelion is a natural diuretic. And of course you got to eat a lot of dandelion to get the effect. So I'm taking a supplement, which is another thing that most retailers have in their portfolio is a HBC category with vitamins. in it. I don't know if you knew the dandelion was a diuretic, but I can tell you that in the time I've been taking the diet, this, and I stopped on my own, I feel 10 times better. So, right. you know, it's, at what point did I lose that, you know, just act in my own self-interest?
0: Right. And
2: there is a lot of information. I mean, out on the internet, this is just a general statement, but the fact is I have uh, two special needs children, as you know, and so there's a tremendous amount of information that I constantly am reading up on. I have the ability to use my mind and to wait against other factors, but there's lots of little things that are obvious that I can do every day to not exacerbate their condition so let's just not have a lot of sugar in the house yeah, for example yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Um, you know and and you know screen times and other things that have nothing to do with the grocery store uh, all those things are my responsibility going to a doctor and saying my kid's not doing well I'll give me you know another pill and I'm not criticizing people who do that I'm you know my kids are not medication free but it, it, I think this is that time so as much as I'm saying it's a call to the retailer to act, it's a call to the consumer to act as well. They're going to be sitting home anyway. They've got the screen in front of them. We know this much. So use it to the betterment of your family. Um, I would encourage everyone.
1: And as, as you were shaker called out earlier, I think the, the retailer can now play the role of that trusted partner in that customer's or shopper's well being, right? We've got the tools today. Um, you know, to provide that guidance when that shopper is in the aisle to help them understand I'm in front of the pasta category, you know, which of these things are, are going to be best for me or which should I buy? Or I like this one, give me some other things similar to that that are better for me. Uh, we've got the tools, the retailer can, can utilize these things to become that trusted partner.
2: And I like the way you just phrased that question. You know, that's where AI, I think, really could be of assistance, is uh, in understanding contextually what the question is you're asking or why you're asking it. You know, there was all sorts of articles about AI, and I think that's one of the most important places is tell me what I need to know when I need to know it, without me having to ask a whole lot. And but enough that you get the clue, machine, yeah. then tell me. So that's how I found the dandelion. It was the first thing. It was easy to find, actually
0: right 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 uh, you know I, and we talk about this uh, i like this word iphone movement moment because uh, to me the iphone moment signifies taking something really complicated and difficult to understand making it incredibly easy to use right yeah. and i think we have we're we're coming close to that iphone moment from a wellness perspective personalized wellness you walk in and you see 50,000 products with you know hundreds of ingredients on each different you know nutrition facts, and people simply don't have the time or the patience to sit and read these labels and understand is this good for me, not good for me. I think we're coming to the point where, you know, we have that Star Trek tricorder, right? So you can scan a product and it's gonna tell you if it's something that's good for you or not. And it has to happen because, you know, the, it's like a runaway train in terms of the variety of products that you come out there. And I think what's happening in the next three months, it's gonna be obvious, I think, is that people are gonna stay home uh, and people are gonna cook more at home. And uh, if they don't find it easy to find healthy recipes, guess what they're gonna to go to, Mary? They're gonna to go to that bag of chips, right? And typically people put on more weight in the winter than they do in the summer because they have to stay home anyway. But now I think people are going to go reach for that bag of chips. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I think you're going to have more flour and more sugar move through grocery stores because people are going to be baking more uh, and they find it's easy to do. So I think this is a great opportunity to kind of interrupt that cycle and say, hey, this is a new service. And you can actually change that. And, you know, maybe we'll come out of this a much healthier, wiser population than we ever, ever were.
2: I like that idea. Very
1: positive. I I think your tricorder moment is coming sooner than a lot of people expect, right? One of the other technologies I'm watching really closely is augmented reality. And, you know, some people may know Apple is working on bringing out uh, smart glasses. Samsung, Google, you know, a lot of other players right behind them, you know, these things are expected to come into the market within the next six to 12 months. Uh, So now imagine you're in the aisle and you pick a product up and a little panel pops up in your glasses, providing you information. Hey, this is good for you. Uh, You might think about this other recommendation, that type thing. So now we've got almost always on ability to enrich what we're looking at uh, provide more enriched information all the time.
2: You know, the other thing I was thinking about, just to fantasize a bit about how this is all going to be awesome. I've always wanted a personalized assortment, something that you know is relevant to me. And uh, assortment planning in stores is actually, you know, an interesting science when there yeah. is a very large variety of products that you are making available to consumers and you have a lot of data by which you can watch their behavior one of the things that everybody should keep in mind as they go to look at their shelf what they're seeing right now is not necessarily uh, reflective of demand it's reflective of what the brands can easily produce and get on the shelf and this is by their own admission they've cut back on their product portfolio and i doubt very much that the assortment planning that's going on in aisle reflects necessarily what the customer wants as opposed to what can be brought to the store. Take that concept of giving me only what, you know, makes the most sense to me virtually, and I can see a lot of capability, and I'm not as strained by the supply chain as I am if I have to get it in a store and on the shelf. So, you know, th- there's another area that I think we've we've all seen the, the the downside of recently where we've had empty shelves, unfortunately, where demand is really hard to predict. But also, well, in a time where things are difficult, we're coming into the holiday season, it is all about sugar. Uh, It's a tough time to me making a good choice in aisle. And maybe there's ways that can be uh, helped.
0: Well, you know what, recently, um, I think, was it Freshly that got acquired by a big CPG brand for one and a half billion dollars? They've been in business only for five and a half, six years. I think they're sending a million meal kits a week to people's homes. And so I'm wondering, I mean, that could be a potential disruptor for a lot of supermarkets. People are just saying, hey, the entire meal is made up. It's already healthy. The ingredients are already decided. I'm just going to order that instead of going and buying a car of groceries and making these decisions. I mean, I'm just wondering, maybe we're going to see a rise of a lot of startups which offer, you know, these simplified, healthy decisions for people, yes. you know, especially with their own, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so Mary, just pick up on what you were saying. I think that personalized assortment obviously is very doable in the virtual world. I think AR is going to help get us halfway there in the physical store because it can help the highlight products as I'm going down the aisle. But the other thing you mentioned, you know, the products that are on the shelf today are, are what the brands are putting there. Historically, it's actually much worse than that. What's on the shelf, is there because the brands have paid the retailer to put it there, right? Because historically, it's not been about what the customer wants. It's been about what the brand manufacturers are willing to pay in in terms of shelf placement, ad placement, all those wonderful things, right? And again, that's one of the, the challenges that come along with this massive opportunity that retailers have to overcome. They have to work through that that shift, that mind shift, in moving away from it's all about products to truly focusing on the customer. And this is a massive way they can do that, is by- well,
2: one thing we know for sure away. is if you want a product, you're gonna buy it. You're, so, so, not the story, but the data should prove out that as recommendation engines, like what Shaker described, come to the fore, and you're only recommending to those people that are the most likely to want that, or have already consumed it and therefore have, you know, somehow indicated the desire for it, you're going to end up with stronger, better, more loyal consumers. Loyalty in the retail space, we've talked tremendously about, how much has that transitioned into the language of the brand? Yes. In terms of, you know, that solid customer base.
1: Yeah, and Shaker, one of the things I, I know Birdseye's begun looking at is analyzing product assortment. Across categories across the store, through a view of different health conditions Correct. or nutrition, right? Yep. Any interesting things that that you know you're seeing come out of that so far? Where you think that goes?
0: You know, the interesting thing is it varies by category, right? So I think in categories, uh, obviously cookies, candies, and snack, you can't have a whole bunch of products <laughs> that are really good for you. But I think I think what you tend to see is some categories people are a little bit more discriminative about what's what's good like somebody might buy organic vegetables but buy skittles so it's 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 a contradiction because we've 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 kind of i think people human beings like to categorize and compartmentalize their thinking hey if I'm gonna buy vegetables I'm gonna buy the best and I'm gonna buy fresh green you know organic stuff if I'm gonna go buy uh, the cookie and candy I'm gonna buy baked chips or you know the fact is baked chips still have carbohydrate and still have you know, all the good stuff that you know we shouldn't be having so I think what we find in the analytics is that it's contradictory you know it just says that we all have multiple personalities when it comes to buying you know, it's very difficult to be uniform. There's, a, there's very few people, you know, and maybe Volker is one of them, Carrie, right, <laughs> who is who's, who's extremely discriminative about uh, applying a uniform purchasing behavior across categories. Right. right. Mary, have you seen that too?
2: Yeah, no, I think, I think you described it beautifully. When you were describing the Skittles with the uh, organic vegetables, I thought, well, you know, everybody deserves a little sugar now and then. <laughs> it's about balance. It's not about extremes.
0: Right. Right. Right, yes, I yeah. think. Uh, unless you are and, and then that's what I think we find. So I think, Gary, where you were going with this, I think we are now providing tools to retailers to understand what are their top shoppers eat and buy from a wellness perspective. And can we start changing product assortment to better align with what they're what I'm seeing a growing demand for? And you know, so I think if once you marry product uh, information with the shopper preferences, then I think it's a very explosive mix in terms of saying, "Hey, this is the health destination for my shopper," not and, just. Don't throw care. mental
2: health into this as well? You know, health and wellness should also include things that are uh, food might have a uh, effect on, but it, it's it's bigger than that. It's me as a whole person, and I want to kind of harken back to the days when Gary was at Green Hills and. I, two events stuck out in my mind. One was there was a large unemployment shift. I can't recall when that was Gary, but you had an event in your store where you basically reached out to those that were unemployed and worked with them and, and made it not like showing them off or anything, but just calling out the reality of the situation that people were in. The other was your Christmas tree event It was a black tie event or something to yeah. that effect. And I realized, you know, some people said, well, that's one story you can do whatever. But what that is is out of the box thinking. What that yes. is is seeing more than just you are what you eat. You're a human being and you're a whole person. We're all going through a difficult time. What can the retailers do above and beyond all this to either kind of put light into the situation, offer some assistance? You've got all these kids homeschooled. I don't even want to think about what that's like or yeah. to be a teacher and a home, you know, and at the same time have your kids home. So, you know, the retailers have an opportunity to kind of reach in their community in different ways. And so I just want to add mental health to this, that, that you know, it's a, it's an important time of year. Holidays can be difficult when people don't have as much as they would like to give to their family. So there's yeah. there's an opportunity there as well. I just want to yeah. throw that in.
0: So I know we can keep going on and on and on, but uh, we should, it's probably time to wrap up. But it's been a fantastic <laughs> discussion. I mean, Mary and Gary, and I'm sure we'll have more episodes focusing on this fantastic well it's been great to have you on the show again mary you. you're our Thank favorite you. guest and i'm sure you'll be back soon <laughs> uh, uh everybody who's out there who's uh you know i know thanksgiving is coming up next week we just had diwali this weekend uh so you know be safe be healthy uh, be happy and i'm sure uh, you know things are going to get better if we all stay sane and use a little common sense but thanks for listening to the retail practice Make sure to join us every Monday and connect with us at The Retail Perch on Instagram and Facebook. And if you have
1: any questions, feel free to email us at theretailperch at birdseye.com.
0: Until next time, this is Shaker.
1: And this is Gary, signing off.